Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The PATH Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the PATH. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon. Okay, we're going to continue on in our Satisfied series. Uh, as you know, with Minty Media, we like to have interactive conversations. Feel free to log on and to uh, respond. So uh, Minty.com, 715-13272. Uh, Angel uh, started off the series Satisfied, and he explored the importance of not selling our souls to worldly success. Not selling our souls to worldly success. And um, Brother Jazz came along and talked about how we take the time to hear from God. Take the time to um, meditate, reflect, and learn to hear from God. And as we hear from God, we learn how to create a rhythm, a rhythm of life. That yes, as we are success, pursuing success and building careers, that we don't run ourselves so ragged that we can't enjoy what we obtain. And uh, Dr. Jackson talked about that, you know, the Sabbath. So this whole series is about satisfied when contentment meets pleasure. What is it going to take for us as Christians, followers of God, to be satisfied? And as I was reflecting on this topic and meditating and thinking about it, I wanted to ask a question. So our first Mentimeter question is, and uh, to our YouTube watchers, please join in with us. We talk a lot about us finding satisfaction and pleasure. Have we ever thought about what brings God satisfaction and pleasure? So I want to take a different spin on this. Because as we grow in our relationship with God, I want us to learn to look deeper. Obedience, love, worship, helping others, forgiving others, prayer, intimacy with him. You know, those are some great attributes of what it means when we are in a relationship with God. You know, James chapter 1, verse 18 says, He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. You know what brings God pleasure and satisfaction? Us. People. I know a lot of times we hear about sin, we got to repent, the world is messed up, the world is lost. I have started this little thing, when I see people doing crazy stuff, I say, God must truly have a sense of humor. Because he made me, he made them. God, we are all God's creation. And I think sometimes God just chuckles like, okay, wow, what's going on with that one? And we sing that song, You Make Me Happy? Well... We make God happy. It says in the scripture that God rejoices singing over us. And it also says in the scriptures, I'm going to read this to you. In uh, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. The Apostle John talked about he had a vision, and there in front of God 
were all these people that no one could count. And those are the ones who were redeemed. Those are the ones who had a relationship with God. And God said, never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe every tear from their eye. Is that encouraging to you? Now, what I love about this, God already won. The book of Revelation makes it clear. God has already won. I don't care what we see on CNN, Fox News, NBC. I don't care what we watch and feel like, oh, are we making a difference? Is, is anything going to change? It's already been done. So guess what? We get to share in the opportunity of what brings God pleasure. And it's people. It's more and more people finding their way home. You know, I do want to thank the church for the opportunity to travel to Israel. It was phenomenal. Uh, we had an incredible time. And one of the cool things about going to Jerusalem, you see people from all over the world, and they will stop and start singing in their language. And you hear different languages of people worshiping God. And as I was walking around, I said, this is what it's going to be like in the new Jerusalem. There are going to be all these different type of people. I've got a couple of pictures here. You know, we had, these were the coolest guys that I saw. Ethiopian Jews. They were at the Wailing Wall. They had a bar mitzvah. It was hilarious because the little boys there, they throw candy at the bar mitzvah. So at the Wailing Wall, the women on one side, the guys on the other side, them little dudes were zinging each other with candy. Because mama was on the other side of that wall. But it was like, no matter where you go in the world, boys will be boys. They just were having fun. But, you know, this is a, a rite of passage for a, a Jewish guy, you know. And they had all these bar mitzvahs. And, and you know, and, you know I, I'm, I'm a brother, so I'm looking around, you know, walking around Jerusalem. I'm like, okay, where are the brothers? When I saw them, I'm like, oh, goodness. Praise God. All type of people. So it was so fun, you know. The next picture here, we just saw all type of people there in Israel, enjoying, <laughs> praising God. People from other nations. I have a question before we go deeper, before we go deeper, what is your most prized possession? What, what is yours? What is your most prized possession? And I was curious as I was putting this up, family, my life, my kids, my marriage, my gift, my daughter, my Bible. You know what I love about this church? We know how to put the right spiritual answers up on this board. <laughs> my salvation, my babies, my health. This is good. This, this is really good. Now, I know people. My wife and I have studied the Bible with people for almost 40 years. I, I know church people. My wedding ring, oh, I love that. <laughs> and, and I hope and pray that we are taking the time to really dig deep in our convictions and our relationship with God. Because the more I study the Bible with people and talk to people, and especially in metro Atlanta, I have learned 
what people's prized possessions are. You can go to that next slide. Am I exaggerating? Now, the challenge. Russell out there partying. Go ahead, Russell. <laughs> the challenge with us living in the South, we can be very religious. Very religious, and we like to throw a sprinkle of Jesus on everything. And we say, my, my, my most prized possession is my family, my, my children, my, 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 my Bible, and, and all that is wonderful. But you know, Jesus knew people too. Let's look in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. You know what? shows what we treasure is not so much what we say, but is how we live. What do we spend the majority of our time doing outside of Sunday morning? What takes up the majority of our thinking? What takes up the majority of, what brings the majority of stress in our life? And you know, it, it, Jesus went to the heart of the matter because Jesus was talking to people and said, listen, you cannot just focus on this world. Don't store up stuff on this world. You got to store up treasures in heaven. And you know, when you think about it, what, are, what is it that God treasures? What does God treasure? Us, people, people. God is about people. So God gives us the opportunity to be about what's important to him, what brings pleasure to him. The title of the message is this, Simplicity. Simplicity. Simplicity is an inward reality that can be seen in an outward lifestyle of choosing to leverage time, money, talents, possessions toward what matters most. We can say, my family, this, my Bible, my church, and this, but really, the lifestyle that we live outside of these four walls really shows to God what matters most. Can we go a little deep, brothers and sisters? Okay, got a little quiet in here. How are we doing with kingdom business? How are we doing? How are we doing building God's kingdom versus building our kingdom? I don't know about you, but you know, um, as Americans, we live in tension. It's, we, it's, it's not comfortable. Because we see these scriptures and we love God and we want to do what's right. And as our brother Marty Solomon said, we're like the Herodians. We're like those people of the first century because we love health care. We love education. We love entertainment. We love those things, and we love Jesus too. Is there a way to have it all? Yes. 
I confess, I love having a good doctor. <laughs> I want a good doctor. I love entertainment. I love education. Is there a way to not lose my soul and still enjoy the comforts of what this world has to offer? Well, the beauty about going to the Holy Land, we learned some lessons about the Holy Land. Number one, it is really the land flowing with milk and honey. I got a couple of pictures I want to show you. Because flying in, I thought the Holy Land, I thought Middle East Desert. Man, as we were going into Tel Aviv, I looked out the window. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, this, that's an angel, angel. This place is beautiful. It is beautiful. You know, the, the Holy Land, we, we traveled for like an hour and a half to two hours. It's like God took continental North America and shrunk it down to two hours. There's beautiful seasides. There are mountain ranges with snow on top. There's fertile plains. There's even deserts. It's like everything. God is compacted. Okay, now imagine you are in an era of being a nomad, and you're wandering in the desert. You're wandering in the desert. You're wandering in the desert, and you stumble on something like this. That's what happened with God's people. It is truly a land flowing with milk, which was the livestock, and the honey was the vegetation. It was beautiful. One of the main challenges that people had back in the biblical times, you can go to the next slide, was having access to clean water. Just having water. You know why they fought so much in the Old Testament? Over the land. Flowing water. The water is... We, we went out to a place where the Danites lived, and it was a forest with a river running through it. I'm like, I get it. God's people lived in tension because, see, God's people wandered. They didn't have anything for a long time. Then they stumbled on this. The test for them, could they still remain loyal to God and enjoy all those blessings? See, do we love the giver of the gifts more than the gifts? This, this is not a new struggle. We think, oh, people in the first century in the Old Testament had it easy. No, they didn't. Guess who else had to have that tension in his life? Jesus. Jesus had a tension in his life. Simplicity is the practice that is entirely based upon following the life of Jesus. A lot of people say, well, Jesus was poor. He didn't have anything. You know, he gave up everything. Eh, that's not quite accurate. Jesus was a skilled carpenter. That meant Jesus did not have to worry about daily bread. In the first century, people got up every morning to get bread, something. To eat. Jesus worked. He was good. He didn't have to struggle. He had his daily bread. Then when Jesus said, okay, I'm going into the ministry, he gave up everything. But he had a band of wealthy sisters who were in his entourage. So Jesus, I'm going to preach, and y'all going to provide. <laughs> Jesus had so much wealth coming in, he had to hire an accountant. Now, that didn't work out that well with Judas, but he hired an accountant. Jesus had access to so many Mary and Magdalene, we went to Magdala. Y'all are confused by who Mary was. Mary was rolling in the door. Mary was loaded. That little town was wealthy. 
It, they had money. So Jesus had to wrestle through this tension of how to have resources and still bring glory to God. He had to wrestle through it. In fact, Jesus had a bad reputation with the religious people. They say, Jesus, man, he hangs out with them sinners, and all they do is eat and drink. Jesus is a glutton and a drunkard. Do you know what that means? Most people were trying to get a piece of bread. They say Jesus and his boys got so much food. He's a glutton. You can put up that next picture. I found that online. I got a kick out of that one. There was tension. In your relationship with God, if you are not experiencing some type of tension, you're not going deep enough. Because you got to wrestle with this thing. I cannot tell you how to live out your discipleship if where you are in your life. You're going to have to figure that out. Oh, I can give you a frame to work with, but you are going to have to wrestle this tension out. How can I enjoy the blessings of what it means to be an American and still bring glory to God? That's called going on to maturity. Now, I know there's somebody thinking out here. I know. I hear you. You don't know what I got to go through. I'm struggling because I I know Jesus had people helping him. I don't have anybody helping me. I'm on my own. And if I had more money, I could do X, Y, and Z. If I had more, what could you do if you had more money? You can answer that question right now. What could you do if you had more money? With more money, I could do what? What could you do? Oh, I've had that thought so many times. I know the Lord's like, change the channel. Think about something else. Ooh. Who put that big retire up there in the, who, who, who put that big retire, stop making fun of me, who did that? Retire, pay all student loan, relax, if I had more money I would be broke, okay, I can see that. <laughs> Unlimited vacations, buy, who wants to buy a church building? Build a church, okay, thank you Ed. <laughs> Travel. Travel, travel, give more to the church. I love that. I just like spiritual people. In 1 Timothy chapter, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, the NLT version, yet yeah, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. How much is enough? Have we developed the skill to say, I'm good? Now a lot of times brothers say that, how you doing bro? Oh, I'm good. But are we able to say, I don't need another pair of sneakers. I don't need to go shopping anymore. I don't need any more Christmas gifts. I'm satisfied with what I got. I'm good with my hair. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But people who long to be rich 
fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love, not money, money is just a tool. It's when we love it. It is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. There are people who don't have time to have a relationship with God because they're chasing money. I'm just reading what the scriptures say. How much is enough? If we got more, what would we do with it? You know, godliness, what does that mean? That is the practice of conforming to the laws and wishes of God, reflecting daily the kingdom in our lives. That's what it means to be godly. So that means the way we dress, the way we carry ourselves outside of church, how we are on the job, godliness. In essence, God is saying, I need you all to live in a way that people can find me. Because what brings God pleasure? People. Listen, when we talk about evangelism, it's not for the path. We didn't come up with that. That's not why angel always wants us to do it. No. This is all about God. And I just want us to be able to celebrate with God on the other side and look out and say, we help these people to know him. Godliness, contentment. Contentment, happiness, and peace. That's what contentment is. I, I struggle with being content. Because I'm this type of person, I'm highly motivated. So when I, I don't know if anybody can relate to that. I achieve one goal, then I'm thinking about the next goal. Then the next goal. Then the next goal. I know I have driven my wife crazy because it's like, we just did this. And I was, we got to keep going. We got to keep going. I love to achieve. And as I read this scripture, it was convicted. It's like, do I take the time to say, I'm satisfied, I'm content? When was the last time we just said, you know, I know what I would like to have. I know what I want to have, but I'm content. Now, contentment doesn't work if we aren't living right. Godliness, that's where it started. Godliness, living to please God. Then contentment is of great gain. So we have to understand that if you're not right with God right now, you don't have any reason to be content. You don't have a reason to be content if you're not right with God. Because guess what? Put up the next slide. You ever seen that? You ever seen a U-Haul attached to a hearse? We ain't taking a thing with us. And unfortunately, so many people are working. And it is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. Uh, have to, I know this may sound morbid to some of y'all, but I have walked in my closet at some point. I said, ooh, one day somebody's going to just give all this away. Somebody's going to give it away. You know, they're going to sell it. They're going to give it away. Here's my library, my books. Somebody. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what? You ever thought about what's going to happen with all your stuff? When other people start going through your stuff, don't touch my stuff, you won't be here. You won't be here. What are they going to do with it? 
What are they going to do with it? And we just buy stuff out there. And we know we were shopping during the pandemic. Boy, we was shopping, shopping, <laughs> shopping during the pandemic. We have nothing else to do. And it's so funny now. It's so funny. I talk about certain things. Then a few minutes later, I look at my phone. Are there algorithms listening to us? Or then I look for something, and then two days later, it's still on my phone. It's still on my phone. No. No. So we, we, we live in this tension. And, you know, I, I got to be honest. I read the chapter, and it was really good. But I need to say a few things to our demographic. African-Americans, people of color. Let's be honest. You can go to the next slide. Let's, let's, let's be honest here. Make money your servant, not your master. Make, I've always said, and I still have this conviction, go as far as you can go. Achieve as much as you can achieve. Earn as much as you can earn, but understand, make it your servant, not your master. Why do I say that? Let's pull up the next slide here. Average net worth, average white families have 900, $929,000, $800,000. And you know that's, of course, you got a millionaires and billionaires in there. Um, typical black family average wealth is $138,000. We live in tension as African Americans. Many of us. We're the first generation to have a shot at building generational wealth. Let's just be honest, guys. We are the first generation that's going to leave something behind other than debt. Some of us, we have parents. They did well. And they are going to leave something. But I know there's so much that we got to do as a people to make sure that the next generation is secure. So what I want to propose to you, something I thought about, and I've been talking to the guys about and the role, and I talk about it all the time. With the money that we're making, with the resources that we have, let's think about this. Kingdom generational wealth. Kingdom generational wealth. In essence, leave a spiritual legacy for your children Invest, make sure they have what they have, as well as a financial legacy for your children. I want to introduce you to someone. The next Vendries is here. Paul and Michelle are grandparents. Layla is an aunt. Miles is an uncle. And you know, I was saying, Paul, can I introduce your grandson? He said, sure. I hope and pray one day when Eli is ready to follow Jesus, there's a dynamic ministry he can be a part of. I hope and pray when Eli is ready to find a woman to get married to, there's a spiritual group of single people that he can build with. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about Paul is leaving a legacy. And I respect him and Michelle so much. He's leaving a legacy. 
Paul is an urban missionary. Paul retired. Some of y'all want to retire? I got something for you to do. After you retire, it's called the ministry. It's called the Paul will drive down from Beaufort to do whatever needs to be done to build this ministry. And, and, and I'm just thinking about Paul and like, you know what? I hope one day God will honor his sacrifice. And after we're gone, there's something still here. That it will outlive us. That 50 years from now, 75 years from now, it won't just be a nice building, but it'll be a group of people all over the city opening the doors for the next generation. So if you want to make money, make money, make, do it. Do as much as you can, but you don't have to spend it all. Just because you can live by yourself in a four-bedroom house, do you really need to? Can you share with somebody? Just because, you, I know we like to travel. I got something for you. Invest in spiritual educational trips that will help you to grow in your relationship with God. Or if you travel, travel with another group of Christians. Why go off by yourself sitting at the pool looking at half-naked people get drunk? Make it spiritual. We, we can enjoy life, but let's make it spiritual. And you know, because... I, 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 the more you invest here at the path, and we're going to talk more about that in the future, this is what we're working on. Urban missionaries. We want men and women to preach the word. Urban missionaries. The more you give to us, we're going to reinvest it in people. Urban missionaries. To my 20 year olds. I know you want to all be CEOs. I know you all want to go to the top of your field. Missionary living. I'm challenging you to live like missionaries. No amens on that, but I'm going to challenge you anyway. That's what my wife and I did. That's what my wife and I did in New York City. We were in our early 20s. We had roommates. We went to work, we got off of work, we came home and studied the Bible with people, met people, studied the Bible with people. Sherry was an urban missionary. That's what we did in our 20s, studied the Bible with people. And it doesn't have to be forever. It doesn't have to be forever. But I, I do want you to start thinking about what you can do to help build God's kingdom. Because we look at the news and we look at the media and we see so many problems going on in our community and we're like, what's gonna, who's going to do something about it? We got problems. Yeah, we got problems, but we got solutions. We got solutions. So like I said, I, I want us to start wrestling and, and thinking about, okay, I, everybody, number one, is a missionary. Grady may pay you, may pay you, but you're a missionary for God. And we got to start making sure that our example is godly. So other people can find their way to God. And then some of us just need to just decide, I need to serve full-time for God. I just need to do it. Yeah, you won't have the vacations you want. You may have to be delayed in buying some of the stuff you want. But the world is lost. And you learn to find contentment through God. Why am I saying all this? You know, we were there, and, and um, the most impactful time for me was sitting on the Sea of Galilee. We were on this boat, 
and what's beautiful about it, they've preserved it. They're parts of the Sea of Galilee. It's not commercialized. It's basically the way it was when Jesus was there. And I said, Angel, do you feel something? He said, yeah. You know? And he said, yeah, yeah. And it's like, when you're there at the Sea of Galilee, it just feels familiar. And then I got, I was moved, you know, I'm not an emotional type of guy. But as I was sitting there, I'm like, wow. He was walking along here, and he called those fishermen. Those guys obeyed, and it found me 2,000 years later, 9,000 miles away as a, Florida, as, as a junior at Florida State University. That same call. I'm like, God is amazing. And we had a chance. If you go to, to Israel, we're going to go on the boat and we're going to sing. And the guy said, yeah, let's sing a song. The only song I could think of was I have decided to follow Jesus. And I was like, man, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. That's the commitment I made, and that's the commitment I plan to keep. What I love about this church, we just don't shake your hand and say, welcome aboard. We all study the Bible. Everyone who's a part of this church, you said you were following not the path, not the preacher, Jesus. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father and God, we come before you. And God, I personally want to thank you for the opportunity to see your plan unfold, God. Just see how you were so strategic. God, how you set those people up so that we could all have opportunity to get to know you. And God, yet you place us here in this country and you've given us so many gifts. You have given us an abundance. And I pray, God, that you can give us the wisdom to use it to further kingdom business. God, I want to thank you for your son's example. Thank you for the way he lived, died, and most especially the resurrection, God. Thank you for the body that was broken, the blood that was shed, God. And as we take communion, I hope and pray we will all recount the cost and resolve that the only reason we do this, the only reason is because of Jesus. And we ask these prayers in your son's name. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. New sermons are uploaded each Monday morning. Simply search The Path Church Atlanta in iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. Additionally, we greatly appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you would like to learn more about The Path, we encourage you to visit www.thepath.church. We hope to fellowship with you soon.